This episode of the Autism Dead podcast is brought to you by Bennett Life. Hey, it's Rob Gorski, and I'm here with my 14-year-old Emmett. And we want to talk to you about this new probiotic, Neurally, that he and I have been taking, I don't know, about two months now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Neurally is a unique probiotic. It's the first of its kind where it actually regulates the happy hormones it, in the gut. That- Dad, let's not bore them with the science stuff. Let's just talk about how it's been affecting me since we've been taking it for the past two months. I have a lot of food sensitivities and I can't usually have like milk or ice cream without getting sick. And so with Neurally, it's been helping with uh, my sensitivities and I've been able to eat ice cream and have milk in my cereal again. It's been helping a lot and I think I'll pass it back to my dad for the rest. Yeah, so I I agree. I mean, I, I've noticed that you you are not having as many issues with lactose related stuff, and I've also noticed that you seem to be just a little more chill, like a little more relaxed, maybe less anxious. Yeah. Okay. So I'm noticing the changes in, and they've been very positive. If you guys want to find out more about Neurally, you can visit BennettLife.com. That's B-E-N-E-D-L-I-F-E.com, or they can find a link in the description below. Perfect. Ooh, good catch, Emmett. Uh, Emmett's over there waving at me to remind me. <laughs> I forgot. If you use a discount code, the Autism Dad at checkout, you'll save 20% on your first order. Hey, what's up, folks? My name is Rob Gorski. Welcome to the Autism Dad podcast, where we talk about all kinds of things related to autism and parenting and being a dad and a ton of mom stuff because moms are amazing and uh, mental health and self-care and education and, and all kinds of things that are relevant to your life that maybe you know, you can't find anywhere else. So uh, thank you for taking the time to tune in. I really do appreciate that. And I got a great show for you guys today. Okay, so one of the most frequent questions that I get from parents uh, tends to revolve around things like therapies, Uh, speech therapy, occupational therapy, uh, physical therapy is another one. And, you know, they tend to be something like, you know, my kid, my kid was just diagnosed. I don't know what to do. Like, what therapy should they be in? Or, you know, what is occupational therapy like what do they do what is physical therapy what do they do how does that help and i get a lot of questions about speech therapy so i'm very lucky to have mikkel smith on the show today she is a speech pathologist as well as special needs mom so she has a lot of experience and a lot of insights and we're going to have a conversation about her journey as a parent as well as getting into sort of what is speech therapy and who needs it and how does it work and what is the point of it and uh, how do kids benefit from it and how to go about navigating the system if you feel like your child needs this kind of help. So thank you, Mikkel, for taking the time to come on the show. I really do appreciate that. Could you take a moment and just sort of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So my name is Mikkel Smith. I am a speech language pathologist and I have done speech therapy um, for about 12 years total. And I run a private practice where we contract with schools to provide services to students. And we also see students or kids privately. We also have some early intervention age as well as adult clients that we see privately. And I am a mom of four and three of my four kids have special needs of some kind. My oldest has some anxiety and depression, and my second oldest has a speech delay and auditory processing disorder, and then my third is on the autism spectrum, and it has been, we like to say we are an inclusive family, that we, you know, have a variety of things, and we're just trying to navigate life the best we can. That, that I have three autistic kids all sort of in different 
places, you know, they all do kind of their own, their own thing. Um, what has that, what has that been like for you? To have various needs. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been, it is, and I'm sure you feel this way too. It is so difficult at times mm-hmm. as parenting any child yep. is, but it is also so rewarding. And I think we are more aware of their difficulties, their struggles. And so on the flip side, we also celebrate even the smallest victories. Like when our son on the spectrum, this summer, I would say he's made so much progress and he started recognizing those around him, his peers, and he would go up and he would say, hey, want to play? Let's play. That we, Huge. my husband and I both looked at each other and we both started crying. I'm going to cry now. Sorry. Um, Huge. Because that's something that other families take for granted. You know, it's something that typically neurotypical children do automatically every day. But for him, it was huge. So, um, sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Um, (laughs) I have my own stories too like that. It's it's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we just celebrate all the little victories and I think we appreciate, um, things a little bit more. My, um, yeah, my, um, well, that's really cool. That's really, really cool. And I, and I totally, I totally get it. My, uh, I've had, well, my youngest was nonverbal for the first four years of his life. So we were told that he would never, he would never talk. He used to, he, he used to make these, um, it was like musical tones and it was so sweet and it was so like, uh, it, they were, they were just like these tones and it wasn't like what you kind of stereotypically think of like just noise making or something. It was, right. it was almost like music. It sounds super weird, but, uh, one day he just started talking like he had been talking his entire life. Like he'd just been saving everything up. And then now I I can't get him to stop talking. (laughs) But one of the, one of the, one of the coolest moments was, uh, he's very, very sensory oriented. We were at, we were at IHOP and we used to always have to carefully navigate that (laughs) because it's, you know, the food can't touch. Or, you know, can we get it on separate plates? And most of the time, you know, staff's really cool about stuff like that. And they just, they just do it. But this particular time he was having kind of a rough day and his stuff came out all on one plate. And I, I'm like immediately (laughs) looking for the exit. Right. Cause I just like, no, this is not going to be anxiety rises. Yeah. Like I'm freaked out about it more than he was, but then he just, like he didn't even say anything. He just started eating it and he would like wipe off his fork when he would go between different, you know, foods. Yeah. Which I'd never seen him. I never seen him do, do that before, but, but he just like, like it was nothing. And I'm sitting there. That's amazing. I'm like recording it. I'm taking pictures thinking like, this is the coolest moment of my life. Like, I cannot believe that, yeah. that I'm witnessing this right now. And, and what seems so simple and mundane to, to most people is so powerful and life-changing you know, to be able right. to, to, I mean, that opened so many doors and, and I have, I have no idea what caused that to be okay that day, but it was just sort of a turning point, uh, for him. And, it, and we sort of built off of that. And, and so a little bit different than what you were talking about, but, I, but that the idea of having those moments. Yes. But similar because it was, 
huge. It was yeah. huge progress. And how many skills went into that one incident where he was self-regulating, he was problem solving all independently. Yep. Amazing. So yeah. amazing. I, I, uh, I, yeah, I, he's 14 now he was probably, I don't know, maybe seven or eight at the time. And, you know, we're not having a lot of those, like they're doing so well now that we don't have that many, like those breakthrough moments kind of anymore, because I feel like, like we're doing pretty good. We're actually mainstreamed this year, first year of high school. That is awesome. And it was really awesome. So exciting. And I did a, they were, my two youngest were in a school for autistic kids, ADHD kids and learning disabilities and stuff like that. So they, the, they catered a curriculum to meet their needs. So they didn't even need an IEP anymore. It was just a really cool environment. Yeah. But it was also sort of limiting and it wasn't, it was kind of overkill, I think for, for them. So I thought, you know, let's, let's look at mainstreaming because I, I want them to be prepared for life. And I just didn't feel like that was going to be the best it, at the beginning. It was, it was great, but I think it sort of exceeds what they need at this point and they need more challenge. Right. And so we moved to the, the, the main high school in the County and I just recorded an interview with him. I think it played last Friday where he was talking about what it was like for him to be mainstreamed and all this other stuff. And then two days later, this would have been over the weekend, this past weekend, he has this emotional breakdown and tells me that he can't handle the school anymore. And I was like, what, like what's going on? And it's, it's just sensory overload for him. He, it's too loud. He went from a school with like a hundred kids in the entire school to 2000 kids. Oh, wow. And so my kind of my thing this past week or two has been, you know, it's amazing when you have those moments where you're super excited and you're super proud and whatever, but, it, but the, it's important that we're always flexible and meet our kids where they are. You know, he didn't want to tell me because he was afraid I was going to be disappointed. And, and I was like, Aww. man, like I was happy because you were happy. Like that's, you're, right. it's not like doing anything for me, like on its own. Like if you're happy, I'm happy. And if we need to find a, a different fit for you, then we do that. And you'll be happy right. and I'll be happy. You know, it works out. Yeah. But those little victories that, you know, how many thousands of kids are at that school just going because it's the next thing that they do in life. And this was a monumental undertaking. And while it didn't work out the way, you know, I thought it was going to, or it appeared it was going to, we just adjust to it and, and kind of move on. Have you had moments like that where like you, you, you have to adjust to not setbacks, but just sort of like a change of course or, or a detour or something? Yeah, I feel like often mine is a little bit younger, you know, so we are navigating something like potty training mm -hmm. and we have just let him take the reins because it's not worth it in my eyes to fight that struggle. And last week he decided he wanted to be a big boy and wear underwear all day long and he had no accidents. And so I thought, this has been an eight month journey. Are we finally there? Maybe I spoke too soon because, and he even did it overnight, no accidents. And then the next day he went back to a diaper. <laughs> and so instead of, you know, being upset, I just had to just go with it and pivot a little bit and he's just not quite ready and that's okay. And we will just meet, like you said, meet him where he is and help guide him. And we still prompt him and see if he wants to try, but essentially just kind of let him be the guide, you know, and then we are there to support him. Same with school. He he is on an IEP and so he does preschool through our local district. Mm -hmm. 
And last year, the class was, I would say, more gen ed than special education students. And this year, they transitioned to a tiered system. So that tier one is more gen ed than sped. Tier two, there's a little more sped. And then tier three is mostly sped. And they have a lot of aides in the class to assist. Mm -hmm. And they told me at the end of last year, they called and they said, we really think that he needs to be in tier three. And I know he, he is another sensory kid. And so there are a lot of things that are difficult at school for him. And I have asked for things to be included in his accommodations and his IEP, like a sensory diet to help him regulate. Um, And it's, Truthfully, it's been kind of difficult to get those things in place for him. And when she told me that, I immediately asked, well, what if he makes great progress throughout the first half of the year? And then this setting is really not the least restrictive for him. Can we move him up to tier two? And she said, well, it doesn't really work that way. And I was really taken back and I was upset about it for a little bit, but I just thought, I'm not going to let my energy go to that right now. And we'll just kind of see how he does in preschool and get into the routine. And once they can finally start implementing some of these supports for him, then I will help navigate to that least restrictive environment. Because for me, that is something that I think a lot of parents have heard about and are aware of, but don't really know what it means and they don't know how to advocate for it. So that's something that I feel like we're currently pivoting and kind of just in a wait and see position, but something that's definitely on our radar for a pivot. But I think we constantly go through that. Yeah. It's, it can be so, it can be so frustrating and, you know, parenting is hard, like period. But when you have these additional challenges and you, you have these, it's like you have to fight for everything, right? Yes. And, and I think a lot of parents don't, they don't know what that's, that's like, right? You're not fighting for like luxury things or like a bigger house or something like that. You're fighting for like basic level to playing field kind of accommodations so that your child or my child has the same opportunities that every other kid has. And it can be exhausting and overwhelming. And there are times where you have to pick your battles. Absolutely. And it seems like that's one of those times where you just sort of kind of let it sit <laughs> and, right. and build up the support that you need in order to make that, that, you know, pick that battle down the road. Uh, I've been there and I've had to do the exact same thing and it's tough to walk away from, but ultimately, you know, I think it proves to be, I think it's harder for us as, as parents to walk away from something like that than it is for our kids to, to kind of live in that moment, if that makes sense. True. Yeah. Um, so you are a speech pathologist, right? Yes. I, I've been wanting to have a conversation. My kids have been in speech when they were younger and, and so I'm familiar with it. Are you knocking? What, honey? I'm, Emmett, sweetheart, I love you. Just, I'm in a, I'm in an interview right now. This is two days in a row. Come on. I'll be out in a little bit. Thank you. He was my non-talker. And now he, every, every 
time. Every time he just, you know, and I lose perspective sometimes yeah. and I have to remember, you know what? He's talking to me. That's pretty right? cool because I, I didn't think that would be something that I would ever hear. But now it's, you forget that sometimes and it's just like, oh my God, the door's closed. I told you I'd be done in a half hour. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yes. Every episode, it's like every, every recording, every recording he does this. Uh, um, he likes to be a part of it too, I think. And so that's maybe yeah. his thing. Um, yeah. This episode of the Autism Dad podcast is brought to you by Mightier. Mightier is a biofeedback-based video game platform out of Harvard Medical and Boston Children's that utilizes video games to help kids learn to emotionally self-regulate. My son Emmett has been using it for years. Emmett, could you take a minute and just kind of tell us how you use Mightier? Uh, well, there's this heart rate monitor that you wear on your arm and you connect it to a tablet that comes with it or just your phone. And you play the, all these cool games. When you get too stressed or angry, the games get harder and harder. And so you have to calm yourself down and the game gives you ways of doing that. Once you do that, you can just continue playing the game as normal. So over time, it sort of helps you to recognize how you're feeling. It's sort of like building up muscle memory. Like you repeat something over and over, and so you don't have to like think about doing it anymore. Sort of like driving. Thanks, Emmett. If you're interested in learning more about Mightier, you can do so by visiting Mightier.com. That's M-I-G-H-T-I-E-R.com and use the discount code theautismdad22 to save 10%. So I do have some experience with speech uh, with my kids. But I, I get a lot of questions from parents who don't really understand what speech is. They think it's all just about talking. It's like, is speech therapy going to make my child learn to talk? And so I thought we could just sort of help to educate parents as to what speech is. And then some of the sort of uh, not bizarre things that speech helps with, but like things that you just wouldn't connect necessarily yeah. and, and how much of a difference it can make. Because it, it, it did help with us too. So could you start yeah, with just sort of like, absolutely. what is the point of, of speech therapy? Yeah. So you are definitely spot on. Most of the time when I tell people I do speech, they assume it is helping people talk or articulation, producing certain sounds correctly, like S or R. But we also work on a lot of other things like language. So that might be helping someone who is minimally verbal or nonverbal help them start to build language as best we can, whether that is verbally or through an AAC device, which is a device like an iPad that would speak for them. So they could select pictures to create sentences and have that device speak for them or use a PEC system, which is more um, tangible, like individual pictures that they can hand to someone or touch to identify their wants and needs, language in the sense of understanding what's spoken to them. So things like following directions, answering simple WH questions like, where is your backpack? Or what do you have? Also memory. We work a lot with being able to store information, retrieve information, and use that whether that's verbally or in written form. Feeding is another big one that often gets overlooked. People don't naturally associate that with speech therapy, but um, feeding is definitely something that we help throughout the lifespan, whether it be babies in the NICU all the way up to geriatrics. This year, we have a student in school who has a feeding tube, and here kindergarten is only half day, so he didn't need assistance last year, but we are doing his feedings now that he is in school all day, so we assist with that. 
and just make sure that he gets fed and there are no complications with that. Also, listening comprehension, like the following directions, but also reading comprehension. So maybe students are able to read the words on the page, but then they have no idea what they just read. They didn't comprehend it. Or social skills. Um, We help people learn to engage with others around them, initiate conversations. and, And that one for me is starting to look a little different because I feel like When I was in school, there wasn't a lot of awareness around autism and things like masking, right? But now there is more information that we're gathering. And so I try to be really careful because I don't – in the way that we approach social skills because I don't want anyone to feel like they're not truly being themselves by masking. But I think it's important to educate both sides, both those that are neurotypical And I feel like a lot, we need a lot, a lot more education on that side, Um, as well as helping those who just think differently, help both sides understand the perspective of the other person, you know? So there is quite a wide, wide variety of things that we work on in speech, but it impacts really all aspects of life, whether you're talking about language that's used in speaking or understanding to can they produce all of their speech sounds and be understood. Stuttering is another one that we work on. Feeding, really all parts of it come back to creating a better quality of life because if any or all of those factors are impacted, it's going to really impact that person's ability to function, Mm -hmm. whether it be by themselves or with their family or at school with friends, really no matter where they are. You mentioned the memory retrieval thing, and I was not aware of that part, but I do specifically remember, uh, because where my kid, my my kids had speech therapy at Akron Children's Hospital where I live, and they have like these, they're in like these rooms, right? And there's like a one-way mirror or two, two way mirror, right? Two way mirror. Yes. Yeah. And so like the parents can sit outside and we have a speaker, we can listen to everything, but we're not causing a distraction or, you know, whatever it's that one-on-one thing. And I remember them playing and I always thought it was just sort of rewarding him for participating or cooperating, but, but they were memory games. It was like, you know, memory where you flip over the cards and, you know, have to match the stuff up. I didn't realize that, uh, that was actually, uh, I didn't realize that was something that they were actually doing on like deliberately. We sneak it in. Yeah, that's really sweet. make it make it seem like it's just fun and games, but really, there's so many um, skills that you work on in speech. What do you feel like is the most misunderstood thing, or or the most common misconception surrounding speech therapy that you deal with? Um, I think a lack of understanding about overall what we do and what our value is, oftentimes I I hear, oh, your job looks so fun. You just get to play with the kids. And I know other people hear that too. And there's really so much more to it than that. Although I will say, if that's what it looks like from the outside, then that means we're doing Doing our job right. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like um, in a lot of settings, whether that be at a school or at a hospital, because we are in both settings. Like you mentioned, your kids used to go to the hospital to get services. 
I think a lack of knowledge and understanding all around. Um, sometimes it goes all the way up to administration as to what our role is and how we help the individual. That would be the biggest thing. When I've had parents, uh, I have a, a large support group on Reddit and field a ton of questions. And one of the, one of the questions is a lot about sensory eaters, right? Like, uh, texture and and whatever and i'm always like oh yes. it sounds like speech therapy and they're like yes no he talks fine and but he just doesn't like the textures and, and i'm like oh no 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 like i thought the same There's thing but <laughs> it really helped out i mean that's where our doctor sent us they're like well you know we should probably see speech and see if we can help him to you know tolerate different foods or try different things or whatever and and it worked so so i guess one of my questions is if, if parents are out there and they have you know a child that they suspect might need help, what are some of the things that they should pay attention to that, that sort of lets them know that, you know, maybe I should try and get a, a referral to speech therapy? Like what are the common things that your parents should kind of keep an eye on? Yeah, great question. And I like to use milestones as a guide to help um, bring awareness to parents. So if your child is young birth to three and they're not, they're having difficulty eating. So maybe they are really picky eater and they're not talking and they're not um, putting word. Maybe they have single words, but they're not putting words together using phrases and short sentences, or maybe they're not crawling or they're walking super late. For that age group, that's where I would do a couple things. And there are a lot of resources out there, but I would talk to your pediatrician Although I will put this caveat out there that just like in any field, not all pediatricians are the same. And so if you get told wait and see, but your gut is telling you something is wrong and I need help, be proactive and seek help. Don't, I am not a proponent of wait and see. I really dislike that phrase, but early intervention is so helpful. You can call every state has an early intervention program that is, um, they'll, do free screenings, evaluations. They'll come to your home for that age group, birth to three. And then if you qualify, they'll again come to your home and it's on a sliding pay scale. So based on your income level, you'll pay a little bit, but um, that's definitely a resource. You can also, insurance covers a lot of this. So you can call your insurance company, find out what they will cover, and you can find a local private practice that should give you a free consultation. So you go in, you meet with them, they interact with your child, you tell them all of your concerns, and they will give you a recommendation and say, oh, you know what? Really, that's age appropriate. Don't be worried. But if you see these things, come back. Or they'll say, I agree. Let's get you in for an evaluation and start working on these things. And that, that gets you the referral, which yes. normally- yep. Yep. So sometimes you do have to have pre-authorization and the, sometimes the clinic will do all of that for you. So just talk with them. Um, talk with your doctor too. Just let them know, hey, this is what I'm doing. And so you might get a phone call from them. And then once they are age three, you can utilize insurance and private practice, but you can also call your school district. And through their child find team, they will provide services from age three to five. Mm -hmm. They would have you come in to the school though for those services. Um, and then of course, once they're school age, 
I always recommend going to the school team mm-hmm. and always including multiple people. So talk with the teacher, the principal, if there is a teacher lead in special education or the counselor, get as many people as you can aware of your situation. Really, anytime you feel like they should be doing this skill by now and they're not, and your gut is telling you to get it checked out, follow that parent intuition because more often than not, it is correct. So that is always my recommendation. And, and you know your child better than anybody else does. As I, always tell, I always tell parents that. And it's really interesting because there's, I had someone on not too long ago and we talked about some of the frustrations, like for an autism diagnosis where a pediatrician would be like, well, let's just sort of, let's, let's wait a little bit and see, you know, what's going on. They're not walking yet or they're not talking yet, whatever. And I, and I get, I understand in most cases, the premise behind that. But if you feel like if you're not comfortable with that, then a, you can get a second opinion, right? Absolutely. Yep. And, or B push, you know, I mean, because you're not asking yes. for something that is, you're not asking them to prescribe a medication or give them antibiotics for something that they don't need. You're talking about early intervention, which there's no downside to that. Everybody would probably benefit from that, right. that help at that age. But if you catch, if you can catch these things as early as possible, you're only giving your child an advantage. And, and like you said, trust your gut, follow your instincts as, as a parent, even a first time parents, like you, you just know, like there's just that, that, that yes. intuition, you just know, especially moms, like they just know when something's not right. And dads can be like, ah, you know, whatever. But moms, they just know this stuff. And I, I like, I don't, I don't know how that works, but you just, you just do whatever they say and, and you're better off for it. It's true. <laughs> it is true. My I mean, husband really just is. sits back. He's like, whatever she says. Yeah. She knows. She knows. She knows what she's talking about. It's true. What's, what is your one piece of advice to parents out there who are maybe concerned about their child not developing, um, typically, or maybe they have missed milestones or they're just not you know, talking or, or whatever, like what is, what is the best piece of advice that you have for those people? My advice hands down would be seek help, find whichever avenue is going to work best for you. And if you don't like the feedback that you get, like you mentioned, get a second opinion. You can seek advice and help from someone else. And, um, I actually created a resource all about this because I feel like it's something that I get asked all the time as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to share that with your audience. If you know in your heart and in your gut that something is not right, don't stop asking and pushing or um, finding someone who will help you. That is my number one advice. That's really good advice. What's the name of your your practice or your business? So my business is Pacific Therapy Solutions. Okay. And are you on the West Coast, right? Yes, in Utah. Oh, okay. So are you specific to Utah or are there things that parents can benefit from no matter where they are? No matter where they are. So I created a resource. I created another group called Child Champions. And that's where I've created resources specifically for parents. And we follow more the federal guidelines um because each state has some fine tuning you know but in general 
how you can get help no matter where you are. Um, I also have links to websites where you can just navigate to your state and then it will give you the phone number or the address of the resource in your area. So you can call them or go visit because overall it's the same process. So no matter where you are, if you follow the, the process laid out, you'll be able to get help. Okay. And how can people find you? So you can find me on Instagram at I'm.Mikkel or our website is childchampions.net. Okay. And I'll have all that information in the show notes. So people could just sort of you know, click and go if they can't remember that. Um, and it's just more convenient. Yeah. Thank you for, for taking the time You're to do so this. Welcome. This was a really cool conversation and be interesting to take on specific questions from parents and uh, maybe do something like that in the future if you're interested in doing something like that. Yeah, I would love that. I could talk about this for days. <laughs> so <laughs> so I would really, really love that. Okay, that would cool. be amazing. Well, you have a fantastic week, rest of the week. It's Thank Thursday, you. Thursday. I know I'm all thrown off with the holiday. Oh, no. um, yeah, so have a great rest of your week okay. and uh, we'll be in touch. Perfect. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Before I close things out today, I just want to take a moment and say thank you to Mikkel for taking the time to come on a show and for sort of opening up the door and letting us get a glimpse of what her life has been like and what her journey as a parent is like and what her family is doing and and some of the things that they have uh, struggled with and then some of the victories that they've had. I, I could so relate to the raw emotion that uh, Mikkel was sort of exuding when she was talking about uh, her son opening up and, and recognizing that people were around him. I mean, it seems like such a simple thing to a lot of people, but it's so huge, you know, and, and I can so relate to that. And I know so many of you out there can do the same thing. You know, we all have these stories where our kids have done something that just blown us away. And it, it just, it's just amazing. Uh, thank you for that, because I think it's important that the parents hear those stories and they realize and they remember that they're not alone, right? This can be a, a a difficult journey at times, but you're not alone, right? And that's important to remember. Uh, also, thank you for shining a light on what speech therapy is. Speech therapy is so important and they cover so many things that you wouldn't think they do. And they do it in a way that kids just have fun. It's also one of those things that can be difficult to navigate, difficult to understand. And when you are dealing with a newly diagnosed child or maybe a first time parent, it can be scary, you know? Uh, I've been there, you know, I've been on the outside of that glass box, you know, listening and watching to see what the speech therapist is doing with my kids. And, you know, you, if you don't understand what's going on, it can be scary. And, uh, Mikkel, you did a fantastic job of, of educating us and, uh, all of her information will be in the show notes below. So you guys can click and check out her website. And if you need help, she said you can reach out to her. And uh, she's got a lot of resources for parents. So thank you again. I, I really appreciate it. And I will have you back on and we'll take on specific topics uh, that I pull from, you know, parents who, who want to have, uh, you know, insights into specific things. So thank you again. I hope you have a great week. My best to your family. And I'm always here if I can be a resource for you or, or anything that you're doing. So uh, we'll be in touch. As for me, you can find me at theautismdad.com. All of my social links are at the top of the page. Uh, I just built a new website for this podcast at listen.theautismdad.com. You can interact with it, right? You can leave comments and leave feedback and uh, have conversations. Uh, you can submit 
topic requests, or if you want to be a guest or have a suggestion, you can do that as well. Uh, you can check out all the sponsors. Thank you to all my sponsors for uh, supporting me. I really appreciate that and supporting my efforts because it, it matters. Um, I hope you guys have a great week and I uh, will talk to you on Friday. All right. Take care. We'll see you. Bye.